Welcome to the Final Girls Podcast. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome. Every season, we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism, looking at a particular trope in depth, and exploring how it's been presented through horror film history. Currently, we're looking into vampire films. But alongside that, occasionally on the podcast, we'll cover new films or series that we just really want to talk about. And there's so much good horror stuff coming out. We've got bonus episodes out already covering some of the most exciting new releases and a lot more in the pipeline. Today's bonus episode is all about Possessor, the second feature by writer-director Brandon Cronenberg, which screened in the UK as part of the BFI London Film Festival and is out now on VOD. In Possessor, the elite corporate assassin Tassia Voss played by the truly magnetic Andrea Riceborough, takes control of other people's bodies using brain implant technology to execute high-profile targets. I'm joined in this episode by writer and podcaster extraordinaire Becky Dark to discuss all things Possessor. Becky has also written a wonderful essay for our platform, digging into the violence in the film. I was also lucky enough to be able to chat to the director, Brandon Cronenberg himself, which I will publish as a separate episode. The first part of this episode will be our overall thoughts on a film, in case you need some convincing before watching it. Spoiler alert, it's really great. And after that, we will go deep into discussing all the details of the film, and I will leave a timestamp in the show notes, and there will also be a clean break between the sections so you don't accidentally get anything spoiled for you. Please enjoy our deep dive into the mind-melding Possessor. Becky, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about I mean there's no other way around that this is going to be a very not safe for work episode this mega fucked up film oh like so fucked up yeah I was saying to you before (laughs) we hit record like I'm I'm always happy to talk about like weird gooey violent shit with you Anna so I was more than happy to get the uh, to get the invite that makes me feel all (laughs) gooey in my heart So as we usually do with these bonus episodes where we cover new releases, we're going to be talking about the film in a non-spoilery version. So mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to chat about our thoughts about the film, but not really spoil any key elements from Possessor from any for anyone who might not have seen it yet. And then we'll make a very clean break and um, separate the part where we go into all the details and all the spoilerific chat. So Perfect. to kick off, Becky... From a scale of 1 to 11, how much did this film fuck you up? <laughs> I mean, it's like a it's like a 9 out of 11 for me. So, I so antiviral Brandon Cronenberg's mm-hmm. previous one and only film. Um I would say that that fucked me up more. I like literally came away from that one like feeling kind of grubby and like a little bit kind of shaken and weird and with this one and I think that's because I kind of went in like just knowing nothing about kind of you know his work as a creator and like what to expect kind of vibe wise and so with Possessor I think I'd heard a lot of stuff about you know how effective it was and how affecting it was Um, and with my previous knowledge of antiviral I went in 
very prepared so <laughs> so I think like nine but if I'd gone in with <laughs> less if I'd like psyched myself up mm-hmm. less it would have been like 12 out of 11 oh wow oh oh you've broken the scales <laughs> the scale set up by a spinal oh, yeah, tap yeah. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned antiviral his previous film and it's quite shocking that Brandon Cronenberg has only made two feature films so far including this yeah, one he, so he really we- made us wait <laughs> But the question is, what were your expectations about Possessor, considering how much antiviral affected you? Yeah, um, so I think I was ready for Possessor to be as visceral as it was, because it is a really like visceral, tactile, up-close, um, like... Like I say, like gruey, you know, it's it's blood and you see everything up close. You see like blades going in and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and so because of antiviral and also, as I say, because, you know, some a lot of people who I'm sort of conversing with um, friends or people on like Twitter and stuff, you know, they may have seen the film before I did, um, <laughs> especially considering I missed me- especially considering I messed up my own viewing of it at virtual London Film Festival, which, you know, I'm still not over and never will be. But I I have managed to see it like three times since, so I'm fine. I'm like, I'm getting there. I remember that night, Becky, because that's when I saw it first as well. And we we were texting. Oh, And I, my heart broke for you so bad. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. That was like, the pain was real. It was bad. Um... So, you know, people people around me were seeing it and you, you get to pick up that kind of reaction and that vibe mm-hmm. from them. People saying how, like, breathtaking it is and how kind of ultra-violent it is and how bloody and gory it is and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it built up a good enough picture that I had expectations of how, um, yeah, just how kind of affecting um Mm. possessor was going to be as like a horror film as a body horror film Mm. um as a kind of you know i've seen it called neo-noir thriller and i think all of that's true um so yeah i mean it's it's pretty singular in Mm. um certainly other movies that i've seen out you know this year so you've mentioned quite a lot of different ways of of describing it but what did you Mm. did the film deliver on those expectations that you had for it on on that promise that the hype of festivals of critics of people that you knew had built up around it it did yeah I'm happy to say that it did um because you know it's such a dangerous game isn't it when you go into something with high expectations sometimes it's nice to go into something with really low expectations and be like pleasantly surprised um but going into something where people have kind of bigged it up um and put a lot of um sort of adjectives around it that that appeal to me you know about it being super gory or um you know uh, like kind of people calling it like his new masterpiece and the best horror of 2020 and all of that so yeah I mean it comes with a weight Mm. um but for me happily it did it delivered you know it's a it's a quality quality piece of filmmaking and um I think he is creating his own kind of 
cinematic language and way of telling stories and um, way of way of presenting these like really kind of challenging images um he's built you know in in a very short filmography so far like he's building himself a real style and it felt even with you know not a lot of reference points it felt like a brandon cronenberg film and i liked that i liked that it felt different you know Mm -hmm. so there's a couple things i want to pick up on that when you when you mention kind of this a lot of it has been the hype as well. People have talked about it as very, very gory, as very hyper-violent. Mm. Did you think that it was as violent as people had made it up to be? Yeah, it's really violent. It is, yeah. Um, there's a lot of blood and a lot of, again, this thing about it being kind of close up and intimate and personal. Like, you really feel that you're kind of like almost on like the receiving end of it, but definitely kind of like, yeah, like up close and personal with this really kind of visceral violence. You're so right. And it's something that you point out in uh, the piece that you wrote about Possessor for Bloody Women as well, which is mm. great. And it's it, you even start with it with this description of the close up. And it's exactly how the film starts. And a lot of it is in, tr- in the trailer as well for people who haven't been able to see the film yet. It's the use of the close-up. It makes the violence, even when there's no aggression, it makes the act seem more violent for some reason. Like, just because you see the needle or the knife or whatever, just zeroing in on that, on the contact with the skin, Mm. you kind of feel it even more because it almost feels like you can sense the pressure of the blade or than the gun or something even though you're not really seeing you know a a stabbing movement or anyone actually perpetrate any violence yet but the fact that it's just there it's like that moment of stillness just before something really really violent is going to happen and sometimes when it doesn't it's you're still kind of holding your breath almost Yeah, that is so true. It is those moments of intimacy with people's bodies Mm. before an act of violence or just more generally throughout the film that they, as you say, you know, if there is an act of violence or not, you kind of just feel so like attached to what is going on on screen. Mm. And um, it... A lot of the characters are kind of, again, this is something that I talked about in my essay, this kind of physicality of the movement. So um, Jennifer Jason Lee and um, Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott. Abbott. I always want to call him Christopher Plummer and I know it's not Christopher Abbott. You know, they they have this quite effective um, or like affected way of moving Mm. certainly jennifer jason lee like the she's almost kind of balletic in the way that she'll sort of stretch her neck or um like motion with a hand or like drink even like drink a glass of water or something you seem to be kind of connected the whole time with like the movement of these characters and like how aware they are of their bodies and their senses so that again as we're saying when it tips over into violence it's all the more effective and visceral Mm -hmm. 
And you've mentioned it as well a little bit before, and I think it's something that comes up comes up a lot uh, when people have been talking about this film, and it's this idea of it being a body horror. And it's interesting because it it kind of places a certain expectation on on what to expect, and we'd be you know dishonest dishonest if we didn't mention the kind of the the baggage of the legacy that comes with the with the name Cronenberg and the fact that of course even just coming from a totally different filmmaker but the legacy of that is that you're expecting the body to be the center of the the horror that's going to happen it's not going to be a, a regular haunted house flick do you think possessor is a body horror though i do i think it's got enough yeah it's got enough of that kind of intimacy of things going into bodies that for me it did feel that it tipped over from just a violent gory horror film into something that could be that I would call body horror Mm. there's so much blood there's so much kind of you know probes going in and blades going in and like things up people's noses and like all of that stuff you know you may see say a slasher film for example which has some really um up close and violent uh kind of stabbing or you know kind of like really like wound detail which doesn't tip over into body horror even though there is so much horror on the body but there's something about the way that the bodies are kind of penetrated and um invaded in possessor the yes i think body horror is the right term so a lot of the film is centered on the lead character of tasia voss who's a sort of psychic contract killer let's call it that and -hmm. what did you make of her and of andrea riceborough's performance i mean andrea riceborough is just remarkable i mean like literally like it's so difficult to even kind of start to talk about her without just kind of melting into a puddle of like respect and adoration. <laughs> like she's just so fucking good at what she does. Um, and I think she is superb um, as Voss in this film. She, there's this, there's this really important kind of interplay between her and um, Christopher Abbott and their, kind of crossover of characters and like physicality and stuff um you know the way that he moves when he's her host and that kind of stuff and Andrea Riseborough is so kind of vital in the way that she sets herself and Voss up in the beginning of the film so that then when she when the character is kind of embodied by other bodies, it's so difficult to like talk about it with, it's like so kind of, everything's like so in and out of each other. It's so yeah. like, who's, <laughs> who's who at this point, you know? Um, it's it's, but, it's know, like she, layer per layer per layer per layer. And then there's some sprinkling of something else on top and then something else exactly. comes in from the side and you're like, uh. yeah. 
exactly. So like a little pudding of horror bits and probes and different blades and tortillas oh, on one mm. side. Mm, mm, maybe not yum. <laughs> yum is not the noise I would make. <laughs> if someone gave me the dessert equivalent of Possessor, the film, I'd be like, mm, maybe no. Is no, you're like- right. What it would be is like one of those weird puddings that come from like the olden days that people call pudding. <laughs> Nowadays, puddings is like, it's like goo, right? It's like mm, chocolate and cheesecake mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. In those days, pudding was stuff with like kidneys in, like no. Oh, that's like um one of one of the funniest things that I always show people for laughs is like this Russian dish, which is basically like, it's it looks like a cake, but there's beetroot shit tons of mayonnaise raw raw onions and like raw not raw it's uh, smoked fish so it's stuff like herring and things like that and then it's a ton of carrots so it's just a layered and it's really multicolored and it looks fantastic and like really sweet and delicious no it's just salty it's salty (laughs) and covered in mayonnaise but the mayonnaise is all pink because of the beetroot so it's kind of like that it's like aggressively punching you in your taste buds Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, what are you expecting from this dish? Nope, we've got meat for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in that one episode of Friends where Rachel accidentally yeah. <laughs> put meat With the trifle. Exactly that. Exactly that. That's, and Joey, of course, the... loves it. Like, I love, I love that we've, I love that we've somehow managed to crowbar Friends references <laughs> into a discussion about Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. I am proud of us. I am very proud. I would expect nothing less. And also, to be honest, I quite like the analogy because what's it got? It's got Andrew Riceborough. Yes, love. Yummy. It's got Christopher <laughs> Abbott. Yes, yummy. yummy. It's got Brandon Cronenberg as a director. Yes, yummy. yummy. It's got incredible, incredible special effects that I literally do not understand how they did it. And Same. I've asked Brandon Cronenberg the question and I've asked people who work in effects the question. And I'm like, how? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> and it's got Jennifer Jason Lee, a whole dystopian kind of sort of parallel reality to our reality. It's got this probably one of the best masks in horror oh. ever oh like a very strong contender for next year's halloween costume yeah <laughs> like it's just these all of these disparate things that are put together and you're like i what yes i love all of the different ingredients and somehow it's all making sense but somehow it's also making me feel a bit sick <laughs> just like a trifle with meat Exactly. <laughs> there you go. It is the perfect analogy. <laughs> I I never have never actually had a trifle, and I keep gravitating towards a trifle as an analogy. <laughs> You've never had trifle. Never had a trifle. Oh, Anna, I'm gonna make you a trifle. My mum. It was like one of her. It was one of her absolute like go to classic dishes. Oh I will make you a trifle with my mum's special recipe, and honestly, it will blow your mind. I, I will hold you to that, but I will yes. not make you the Russian beetroot trifle for me because <laughs> I, I really like you and I don't want to make you go through that. <laughs> okay, that's a deal. <laughs> I'll make you something else. <laughs> Before we, we kind of um, veer into into spoilers, there's it's a very difficult film to describe, isn't it? How would you describe it for someone who maybe has not heard of Possessor or might be kind of 
may potentially put off by the this promise of the extreme violence of it. Hmm. I think I describe it as like a, I think it's a sci-fi horror to a certain extent. Um, you know, there's enough kind of that kind of body host. Um, you know kind of taking over of other people's lives you know all of the the we don't get to see a huge amount of the technology behind that which i like actually i like that that is kept very sparse it doesn't go all kind of techno babble on you um but luckily it's kind of designed clearly and evocatively enough that you gain from it what you need to without all of this kind of exposition about how that stuff mm. works um but i do think it's got you know heavy heavy doses of of sci-fi in its horror so if people are into that more kind of sci-fi end of the horror spectrum i think this is definitely for them um i do also think that it's got a kind of not heist but almost like a kind of crime thriller element to it. You know, Voss has got her mission and she has to kind of scope out these things and then go through X, Y and Z points of the mission to complete it. And so you're almost following it um, for part of the film as if it was a kind of heist movie or that kind of, you know, crime thriller um, aspect of, of cinema and so I think again you know people who may be put off by the body horror label like oh I'm not into that kind of thing I think if you're into kind of those more crime again on, on the sort of spectrum of horror the genre you mm -hmm. know if you're into more crime heavy stuff but that maybe tips over into you know a bit more violence um i think again it's for you so and also i think it's a film for people who want to sort of push themselves a little bit like i'm not into uh, extreme films um i have to there's there there aren't many i've seen and um i have to kind of really psych myself up for them and there are there are certain ones on the horizon with like podcasts other podcasts that i listen to that i know are coming up that i'm like oh god it's going to be time for me to watch martyrs or oh god it's going to be time for me to watch this that um so i don't gravitate to those sorts of films but this was a good level of and also with antiviral this was a good level of like this mm. is edging towards that kind of slightly more extreme end of ideas and you know that the up close visceral violence um so yeah again you know if you if you want to sort of push your boundaries a little bit in mm. the horror genre and try something a bit different try something that is quite visceral then again i would i would um recommend this that's a really good way of putting it and it's interesting. I, I hadn't even thought about it as a as a quote unquote extreme film. Part of it mm. is because I I have reservations about the way that people use the word extreme and throw it around mm -hmm. as if it's some sort of label of. And it's I actually think that sometimes films that are labeled as extreme have a lot more to do with the moment when they're released or the how they're done. And some filmmakers tack that onto their films as a marketing ploy and as a way sure. of. 
attracting audiences that are really just looking for very, very basic thrills. And I mm-hmm. think this film is far, far, light years away from at any point being basic. It's incredibly thought-provoking and yeah. demanding of its audience without being pretentious. I think being demanding from an audience and being a pretentious film, so it's two very, very Agreed, different things. Yeah. And I think perhaps a, a different word is transgressive because I think that's a lot more related to kind of the actual ideas that the the more interesting quote-unquote extreme films have behind them it's like what mm-hmm. are the what are the taboos and how yes. does the story or this film transgress them and I think this is a transgressive film as opposed to extreme it's it's definitely violent uh, it's up close and violent. Uh, it's up close and violent, exactly like you describe, and that has a certain effect, which is, I think, just very interesting. A very interesting filmmaking choice, and it's it's Brandon Cronenberg knowing exactly how to draw his audience into a particular frame of mind or state of feeling, or embodying those characters almost without us getting to know the characters, but living through them. Yeah, And I think that's still such a huge taboo in many ways, just feeling and blending into someone else's body. And in a very, it, it might sound kind of sappy and not at all horror-y, but I think this is kind of a, a very interesting and quite violent exploration of empathy, of like radical transgressive empathy, of what it means to actually live inside someone else's body and live inside someone else's mind and actually feel through someone. Mm. I love that. I really, really love that. That that idea of of the taboo of taking over somebody, but then the the kind of challenging even that taboo in that, well, yeah, but how much can you learn about somebody kind of or or about another way of life by kind of embracing that? Um, mm. I don't think that that is the main crux of the film, but I love that as a kind of as a way to look at, you know, the way that um, kind of identity is 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 used in the film. Um, and I love what you say about taboo as well, because I think it is I think it is a film that looks at a number of taboos and one of which is this idea of kind of like masochism and kind of self-mutilation to a certain degree, like the things that Voss has to put her body through willingly and in the... Um, in the kind of course of her professional work to achieve what she needs to do as her career and which Mm. and which she like really actively engages in you know you you get this idea that she is she's like in this life you know it's not just a job for her um and so you know what she has to do to her body how she penetrates her own body with probes and things like that i think all of that is very um kind of taboo this this idea of 
you know, I, I think violence on other people is something that certainly within the cinematic universe we're so used to and, you know, almost desensitized to. And I think one thing this film does is that the violence upon other people is so graphic and violent and vicious and brutal that it makes you take more notice of the violence rather mm. than, you know, just your standard Hollywood shootout. Mm. Um, but I also think that it looks a lot at the violence that we perpetrate against our own bodies. Um, mm. And I found that really, really fascinating. You're so right. And just listening to you to you speak, it's making me think of the film as well as as a film about as a horror film about burnout. As Voss mm. burning out, burning yeah. herself out physically, mentally, emotionally and horror and this the, the horror elements of Possessor being used to again make us make us the audience feel what it's like to experience that level of extreme exhaustion on every mm -hmm. level like mm -hmm. the the disassociation that happens between Voss and reality and Voss and herself but that one connective thread uh, that kind of I mean the, the premise of the film and uh the key connection that she has is with her job. She's on the job throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. And I think going back to Angela Riseborough as well, mm. she, um, she's she got such a specific look and she, you know, she's such a chameleon, like between her roles, she can look so, so different. Mm. But there's there's something to do with her, the way that she looks in this film um she's extremely pale you see her uh her, her veins kind of popping out of her temples her hair is very pale her eyebrows you know she's got those huge dark eyes that are almost sort of popping out of mm. her head um and again this what you're talking about there in terms of like the sort of exhaustion like there's there's a moment um where she vomits and you know you can you can kind of think about like god i i have been exhausted as ex you know exhausted enough at the end of a day of work where i've like been sick where you just haven't stopped for like you know, 16 hours or something, those, mm -hmm. those days from hell that we get from time to time. And all your body can do is like throw up and then, you know, <laughs> collapse into bed. And you you get that idea from her as well. And, and the way that Andrea Riseborough looks and the way that she performs the character just makes all of that stuff so much, so much more kind of, tangible and like believable mm. i think we're both kind of itching to get <gasps> into the spoiler section and i hope that for anyone who's listening so far and might have been reticent about seeing possessor will seek it out for now let's move on into the spoilerific conversation about the film you have a very special nature when we've worked hard together to unlock. Oh, the results are normal. Anything you want to flag? No. No, I'm fine. 
Mom! Hi, darling. How was your trip? Dull. Extraordinarily dull. Our next contract's a big one. The target is the CEO of the largest operation in the U.S. He'll be binding to Colin Tate. We can't afford any mistakes on this one. Ready? Today. What do you mean? I'm in place. Okay, so we don't have to win sports anymore. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Just in the course of our previous conversation before the break, it's been it's been lovely hearing you think and rethinking about the film and the many different ways of interpreting it. What do you think this film is really about outside of the the premise, outside of the um, the body horror elements, outside of the violence? What do you think it's actually trying to say? I don't know. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's about blood and guts, isn't it? Um, you know, it's about kind of invading other people's lives it's about Mm. taking on characteristics of other people that can benefit you in some way towards like the ends you know your goals Mm. um it's about people being unsure of who they are within their own lives um and about kind of how far people will go to mm. to kind of embody someone else or a life that isn't their own um to kind of as i say yeah get to these like other arbitrary goals if that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah like you're talking about the the expectations that are placed on people and yeah, and and the expectations that we place on ourselves. Yeah, and you see that a lot with with both Tassia Voss and with Colin, the way that they're expected to behave, the way that they're mm. expected to behave for themselves and the way that different people in their lives expect them to behave. Yeah. Namely, you know, Voss's partner, her kid, her boss, mm-hmm. and how she expects herself to deliver as well and kind of really pushing herself well past her own limits yeah and having to kind of almost dial up certain aspects of her personality at different times to embody those different roles Mm -hmm. within her own life so you know when she's stood outside of the um like the sort of family home um the way that she is rehearsing how to have this kind of normal conversation with her ex and the son and you know it's it's framed beautifully kind of she has she's trying to come back from having embodied um this like holly the other character right at the beginning of the film she is trying to regain herself but that's not everything that that scene is about that's not just about her trying to remember who is Voss? It's mm. who is Voss in this specific 
situation what do they expect from me and am I able to be convincing in delivering it exactly it's the different levels of of switching codes depending on what the situation is and who yeah. the audience is but again taken to to an extreme because it's a it's a sci-fi horror film and let's talk a little bit more about Voss and we were talking a bit about her before but She's so interesting for so many reasons. So we, we, we could talk about her for hours. But one of the things that I wanted to chat to you about, and it's something you bring up in your in your essay as well, it's that she is a a female killer. She's a she's a mm. con- she's a contract killer. She's an assassin. And it's interesting that we we obviously see her embody different different people. So she's kind of always killing in another person's suit like a skin mm. suit basically mm. so what do you think of her as as a as an assassin i think she's hugely focused and effective at her job you know we are led to believe right from the start of the film that she is you know the the company or uh, kind of Gerda her boss she's like she's the the star right she's the the kind mm-hmm. of top performer um for this business that they've got going on and she they uh, Gerda I think talks about how they have kind of worked together to get Voss to kind of this this level that she's at now where she is performing at this really top level and um you can see that in the way that she approaches the work so the way that she speaks to the technician when he's putting her under you know she knows that job inside out when she's doing the recon on um colin and ava uh, you can just again and andrea riseborough just being incredible but you can see so much like history in in her career just watching her play those like quite short scenes of how she's preparing for a job how she's mm. um how she's kind of going through the process of building up to you know another assassination another contract um and then in terms of the killings themselves and this is something that i found um that i wanted to kind of write about in the essay and and that I found interesting about her being a female killer is this kind of intimacy that she has with the killing and with the violence because, you know, she's supposed, she's given a gun. She's supposed to shoot her victims with both the guy in the bar that Holly stabs and with um, John, Sean Bean's character. Um, She's supposed to shoot them. And with both, she makes the choice to use a much more, up close and personal weapon whether that be a steak knife or a fire poker and the kind of rage in the violence uh, the stabbing of that guy in the bar and then like the absolute like overkill of going of of the attack against John the poker and then he's like he's down but she like tortures him with this you know huge kind of piece of metal like through the back of his throat and you know his teeth and his eye like it's so like overkill is is the word for me oh 
it's like she makes him into mush basically into yeah, human mush yeah. it is extreme and the camera is also so still in that moment there's yeah. hardly any movement and uh, i mean i'm 100 going to hell for this but like the poker face scene as i called it in my notes <laughs> at that time it's just you kind of don't really you don't really get that level of brutality Outside, like recently, in recent horror, you don't really get that level of close-up brutality. And again, it's like you mentioned, it's the it's the closeness, it's the fact that we see the teeth breaking and the the poker through the eye. You definitely don't see it at the hands of women. The uh, like the other films, so say outside of the horror genre, if with talking say more about kind of because what my brain keeps coming back to is like gangster films right Mm. so like Scorsese and Tarantino and like even Guy Ritchie these that's where you get like these up close or kind of vicious personal rage-filled attacks Goodfellas Casino um Pulp Fiction, Snatch, you know, these kinds of films, which are hugely masculine films. And I know that we watch the killing of John. Or No, sorry, because she doesn't actually kill him. I know that we watch the attack of John um, and it's technically we're watching Christopher Abbott as Colin do Mm -hmm. the attack. But because they... Because Brandon Cronenberg and his actors have so skillfully built up the how to convey that this is Voss. It's not Colin, it's Voss. So you mm. know that that's at the hands of a woman. You know that she has made the choice to not shoot him as planned and to do it with the poker and to not just beat him to death, but to then put it through the back of his throat and like lever out his teeth and pop his eye out of its socket you know i can't think of another example where Mm. a woman would be making those decisions to create that kind of brutality on another human being Mm. that you're seeing so up close on screen you know and i wanted to talk a little bit about voss and colin and how they interact and it's almost impossible to separate the characters from the performances by Andrew Riceborough and by Christopher Abbott. What did you think about the way that they build up their characters and the way that they relate to each other on screen? Yeah, I think it's I think it's remarkable. I think it's a real triumph, actually, um, and real testament to, you know, the talent involved, because Christopher Abbott, when she is when she's like fully synced with him um if he's not performing in front of Ava for example he does have this femininity to him the way he moves the way he speaks and when she's first in Colin's body even though she's such a professional you can see her you can see her kind of getting used to it and and examining and exploring, you know, this new skin suit, as you say, this new kind of shell that she's wearing. Um, And I think it's really fascinating the way 
at first she is kind of visible to Ava you know Ava can tell that there's something a bit Mm. off about the way that Colin is acting Um, and then later at the party she's kind of she's obviously you know sort of settled into it a bit more their link is really strong Um, but then even then you know she is having to act in specific ways to kind of build this narrative around the 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 contract around the assassination and so you know she's dialing up that masculinity to have that kind of tantrum that like Mm. drunken performance at the party which is so like typically stereotypically masculine like Mm. wounded ego like like vulgar aggression you know that a man who is threatened Mm. will perform and again it's so fascinating when you realize that it's like Voss who is having to do that through Colin's body so she's being this like uber masculine version of him but coming from this like feminine place it's like her job is to dig out those unsaid insecurities and those unsaid fears and niggly bits that Colin is able to put aside because he wants to marry Ava and Mm -hmm. yes he'll deal with her asshole dad and yes he'll suck up the really demeaning job and the really constant belittling attitude that John has towards him but it's she kind of unearths all of that and rises it up to the surface. And again, it is her, but it's her picking apart the bits of his personality then the bits of of his of his his emotions that are kind of hidden underneath the the surface and the veneer and the relationships that he has, and pulling them out to their extreme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And I thought it was really interesting what you said earlier about empathy, because Mm. there's something about that attack on John, you know, you call him like this asshole, like he is just the most toxic, hideous, like obnoxious. He's just he's so mean, like he's just so hideous. He's such a big asshole what an asshole to you know to Colin and to his daughter like by Mm. proxy and and she absolutely recognizes and she she's like warning Colin against him like like don't think that he's a great man he's not he's an asshole and he shows us that that is absolutely true and what you say about empathy is there's something about for me there's something about that attack on him that it's almost like Voss being that violent I think it does come from a place of of rage within her but I think there's part of it also that she's kind of doing like on Colin's behalf like if Colin was to Mm -hmm. tap into that emotion that you're talking about if he was to drop the veneer if he was to stop caring about the impression that he made on Mm. his father-in-law to be and was just to react to being basically like humiliated and bullied constantly mm. by this bigger, more powerful man. What would he do? He would probably release that rage in an act of brutal revenge that, you mm. know, right, I will show you, I will show you. And that's, 
I like that there's maybe something there that she's like, actually, I'm doing this a bit for Colin. <laughs> I like that really. Although, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for either of them, really. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It all ends terribly. I'm not saying that it's a good idea, Anna. <laughs> but it comes from a good place is what we're saying. I, I think maybe. Maybe there's part, a, maybe a kernel. Not. A kernel of L- goodness. Maybe. Bit. If you bit. really squint. I wanted to talk about something that um, I only really kind of really started thinking about the second um, when I was kind of revisiting bits of the film. It's it's the way that it approaches sex. So mm. there's two key sex scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Colin is very much kind of desired by quite a few characters in the film, which I found kind of, I mean, you know, not surprising, but also... Chris- Christopher Abbott, you know. I mean, you know, who do? wouldn't? Wait, are you going to turn it away? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but there are two um, very specific sex scenes between Voss, with Voss and one of them when Voss is inhabiting Colin's body, mm-hmm. when he has sex with Ava with his fiance. So do you think... And there's always like a... When I was re-watching those bits, I was thinking, oh, suddenly there's this implication that... She's being watched by someone, certainly at least in the second one with Colin, when she is Colin. But in the first one, it's it's very weird because it's very dispassioned and kind of very bland until she gets these visions of putting a, a razor blade to her uh, to her partner's neck. And then she kind of wakes up a bit. But there's obviously something quite intriguing about Voss as a woman inhabiting this male body and having sex mm. with another woman and there's a bit where they sort their body sort of merge so it's half mm. Voss and half Colin what did you think of the of those scenes yeah I thought they were amazing both for kind of similar but different reasons I suppose the the scene where she so where she's you know in Voss in her own body and having sex with Michael it's so odd because again that feels to me performative it feels to me like she's trying that out almost as a kind of last gasp attempt Mm. to to see if there's anything salvageable in this relationship and I, I think maybe you know part of that is from this this desire to perform in this role as a wife and mother um she's she's already told uh, you know they're separated she's mm. told Gerda previously that um you know one of the main reasons they're separated is that she doesn't feel that the family is safe with you know her job and so she's kind of distancing herself for their safety um but then she goes back to the family home they have this dinner party they have a couple of bottles of wine and she essentially like seduces him but then when you flash to the actual sex scene even though she has instigated it she's Mm. lying there like completely disengaged in it kind of eyes open staring off as he sort of goes at it on top of her and as you say it's not until she starts like fantasizing about bloody violence that she then kind of re-engages with the sex with him and you know starts kind of um I think she kind of like bites at his neck and things like that 
so again i th- i think and then you know straight after that she's back on the phone saying to her boss like yeah no i'm i'm ready to come back to work it's almost like yeah i tr- i tried this family thing um not i gave me. it a real i gave it the real college try <laughs> and not for me like <laughs> Just, just get me back killing, please. Can, can yeah. I just? Have you got, have you got a job where I could potentially like poke out somebody's eye with a poker? Because that's much more my kind of jam right now. Um. So yeah, I think, I think again, it's like it's this, it's playing with these, these roles that she's expected to fulfil, and mm. and I do get that feeling that it's that kind of right. Let's give this one more go, and then she yeah. realizes no. And then the scene with with Colin and Ava, like that is amazing. I thought you get the the whole uh, narrative again around this contract is that he is emasculated. Like that's Mm. the kind of um, the like the the point into this job. Right. And she is she's like she's richer than him he was her drug dealer i think he like her dad's had to get him a job he doesn't approve of the relationship um he makes that pretty clear at all points it seems and so i find it really interesting that in bed she is like she's choking him at first so like he's laying back she is on top of him and she is she's got her hands around his neck which considering this narrative around him feeling like an emasculated man, um, I thought that that was an interesting choice. And then Voss kind of takes over. um, And that is when uh, Colin sort of becomes a more active lover is again, when Voss kind of takes control Mm -hmm. of, of the, the sex. And that is when you get this really like, incredible provocative image of you know you've got Voss naked and kind of kneeling up and she is um you see her body Mm -hmm. from the top and then from you know the waist down it's him and so you've got this you know erect penis on this um sort of slight body that we up until this point have seen as like a like a cis woman body um and obviously, like, Ava doesn't see that and it's kind of all within Voss's mind's eye. But, like, that is just such, like I say, like a like a provocative image. I yeah. just thought it was amazing. And what did you think about... So there, there's a few things that you mentioned kind of at the beginning of our conversation that now that we're in spoilers, I wanted to pick you up on. And you, one of the things that you mentioned that I find is really interesting is, like, how do you think... Brandon Cronenberg is creating his own cinematic language because a lot of the things that we've been talking about have been about these very provocative taboo breaking images yeah you know ideas not like exposition not over the top world building just like very intriguing ideas that are explored visually more than anything else so how do you how do you think his what do you think his language is like that he's creating? I think it is a language of, of provocation to a certain extent. He, I think he's interested in exploring taboo and, and pushing people to look at things differently to maybe take a step back. So, for example, you know, a female killer. Let's not 
just like just because we've got a female killer in a male's body let's not have her shooting him from the other side of the room like if we push that what would this female be doing um if she was in a male's body like i love the bit where she's first in cotton she's like brushing she's brushing his teeth um and she like she like does that classic thing where she like looks in his boxes because mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's got a penis right which is just so kind of classic body swap thing right yeah like, yeah that's such a that's yeah. such a trope of comedies for example yeah, where absolutely. a bloke will suddenly be in a woman's body and he's like oh i've got boobs and kind of yeah. like squishing them in front of the mirror it's very freaky friday it's like oh no like, i'm old yeah exactly no 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 it's like oh no i've got like oh what's that in my boxes you know so like, i mean there's don't no complain that- tasia do not yeah. complain. <laughs> what would I give to have a look inside of Christopher Rabbit's But Anyway, moving on. So, <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, we are led to believe, I think, that this isn't the first male body that she will have inhabited. But I just find it really interesting that oh my God, she, yes. that she's kind of, it's like, okay, so what am I dealing with this time? Like looking in the mirror, like, okay, this is a good looking guy. Like, let's mm. have a look down there. And, but then with with Brandon Cronenberg, like you could leave it there, but no, you have to take it to, or he takes it to that point where she's having sex. He's having sex with his, let me get this right. <laughs> she's having sex with his fiance in his body. Yes. And so this this idea of kind of adopting people's identities and living through other people's realities and seeing through other people's eyes and people seeing you as somebody that inside you're not like Mm. all of that is just so beautifully manifested in like this one shot of what we've seen of Voss up until that point kind Mm. of down to her waist and then and then below this erect penis like it's this is the sort of stuff that Brandon Cronenberg, I think, has got a real talent for. And what you said earlier, you know, this, it's not kind of, there's no like campness to it. It's earnest and it's, but it's not pretentious. Like he is, he's approaching all of this like quite challenging imagery and complicated, complex ideas, but from a place of, like I think curiosity and and desire to explore it and understand it and challenge other people to understand it I love that I love the way that you just put it it's it's a beautiful way of thinking about it and of any filmmaker crafting his visual language Mm -hmm. so to begin kind of wrapping up really I wanted to ask you what did you make of the ending and it, it's 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 a double ended question because there's like like three endings. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I've figured out what I think has happened. I think because obviously you're doing like, better than me. Just oh, it all just goes so like loop de loop, right? It's like <laughs> okay, so. So now she's done the killing and that was her. 
but then he's kind of fighting back and also so she's also kind of losing it and losing grip on like her identity what's her reality what's his identity what's his reality where is she how does she get back etc etc um and that scene where she's like oh my god where she's got like the big uh, shard of glass and kind of like plunges mm-hmm. it into the top of her head and then back almost like I, there is there's so much about this film that reminded me of the matrix like the probes in the back of the head the fact that when um he f- she sort of first opens colin's eyes he, like you can see the light is like hurting his eyes mm-hmm. and this this idea that she is like when she's in his body she's like almost kind of like in you know these guys the little speech marks um like in the matrix and when she damages her when she damages like colin's body that damages the implant and so voss then like coughs up all this blood like back on the table in the like all of that starts to just mesh together and those um those lines and barriers between them as individuals start to blur um and it's so interesting when colin then starts to actually take control and this is when we get to the mask right like this Mm. unbelievable image of he's basically like crushed kind of the idea of voss and like (gasps) taken her face and is like wearing it in this just grotesque approximation of this woman and is then back you know having sex with michael or Mm. like watching her son and stuff like that and like i found that really kind of jarring it's such an image it's such an evocative image because and i think i'm only just realizing this now as we've been speaking about this film is that that you say it so well it's this approximation of Voss it's not really her and I'm almost thinking like now because we haven't seen so many of her different possessions from before Mm. I'm using this term loosely um, Mm. but she's clearly having trouble with it and I kind of raised the idea of Berna before and I'm now thinking of this grotesque image which is so memorable which is on the poster of yeah. this mask of Andrew Riceboro's face, this mask of Voss that he puts on. And it's already kind of a transgression in a way, the fact that he who is the possessed is putting on the image of his possessor onto him. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that when when the possession is visualized from her end, it's a full merging. You know, her skin melts away. She becomes this other person. She becomes Colin emotionally, physically, and mentally. But then when it's reversed, and of Mm. course, yes, we can read in the dystopian things here, but one of the things that I loved about this film is the fact that it leaves it so open to different interpretations. There is not enough of her left for the mask to be exact. Yeah. It is such a rough, rough draft of who she is because she's almost erased all trace of boss herself so that when she is the one that's being possessed, when the process is reversed against her, there's barely anything there. 
it's almost like a photocopy of a photocopy of a yes. photocopy, right? Yes. It's such a good image. And, you know, I might be totally talking shit, but... No, I love that. <laughs> I really love it. It's just such a... It's such a provocative and powerful image. And it's such a provocative thing that it's also an object, a mask, as opposed to Colin becomes Voss and the process is reversed. It's... He's literally found this thing that is like you say, a photocopy of a photocopy of who, of the person that she is or used to be, what's yeah. left of her personhood. And he puts it on and it's it's a mask. It's not really a fully fledged human being or a fully fledged personality. And I'm not saying that there's not enough of the character there. I'm saying that it's kind of this interesting image of how much of us is there left after so many different iterations of our personality or burnouts or devotion to one pillar versus another pillar versus another pillar of our life cycle. Like how much of that is then left? How much of us is left in that like husk? Is it the full person or is it just this, the image of what other people's expectations of us are? Honestly, I love that. That is such an amazing reading, this idea that, that she has given so much of herself over to these other identities for so long and she has been unsure about how to embody roles within her own life that mm. actually when the tables are turned how much like exactly like you say how much of her is actually left to kind of create a persona for somebody else to embody i think that's amazing I can't wait. I can't wait until those masks are being made and we can buy one. <laughs> it's going to be so creepy. Yeah, it is. I'm very conscious that we can go on and talk about this film for hours. But is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really wanted to to discuss about Possessor? I think the only thing really left to touch on is is that that real finale, that very end moment um, when. <laughs> I mean, talk about, again, taboos. When her son is essentially, like, sacrificed to this, this, like, I don't know. The, the, to the, the job. Company. Yeah. To the job. It is. It is. That is what happens. You know, Gerda has spoken earlier on about how um, Voss is, like, the top operative and, and she sees her as kind of taking over as, like, that director role and all of that. And we know, you know, we've seen Voss prioritise her role at, as in her job, at her career, over the family. And for Gerda to violate this child's body by possessing it, and then for Voss or Tate, I don't know, to to shoot the kid. Like, and again, like, it doesn't happen off camera. <laughs> it's like... Right there. It, right there. You know, you see that, mm -hmm. that bullet penetrate that child, like that cute little boy who was so smart and he was doing, like, coding earlier in the film. And, like, you know, she like Gerda is it, at that point like I, I don't think she's a particularly likable character earlier on although you don't nest I just I get this like vibe right like I just don't like I don't like her 
but at that point she crosses over into something i think truly monstrous this mm. idea of she almost embodies this idea of like <laughs> the demons of work-life imbalance you know the, the idea She's a corporate demons yeah yes exactly exactly and the Cronenberg again pushing these boundaries and challenging people and like who does that who has a child's body overtaken by some corporate uber woman and then has the child shot and then they're just like lying there with this like these pools of blood just kind of running towards each other and melding and then Voss has to wake up in her body and just look across in her workplace to this person who's just like done this to her like honestly it's just shattering it's like the most and I know I poo-pooed this word before but I'm gonna use it now because I'm basic like that too because uh, because it's your podcast and you do what you want <laughs> It's it's the most extreme taboo, I think, the idea of a mother harming her child. And I specifically yeah. use the word mother. There is much less of a taboo of uh, violent fathers because, unfortunately, Absolutely. we're much more used to that narrative, uh, yeah. both in fiction and in real life. Very unfortunately, it still trans it still transgresses some societal and moral boundary to see not just a woman but a mother harm her own child yeah. and it adds to this it adds to that the layer of corporate greed or prioritizing economic <laughs> factors and i use the word economic as opposed to you know something more like money it's like it's not about Voss trying to make ends meet this is about corporate politics that we that are only just hinted at because you know the 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 character of um of john pars is a sort of rupert murdoch-esque media mogul like there's just enough of information for us to draw our own implications from that and it's it's clearly a very big account, a very big deal for the company. So the fact that the priority is to get the job done and that supersedes any human or moral or societal boundary is the ultimate, it's the ultimate fuck you of yeah. this entire world against... Um, to Voss like we will we will make you the director of this corporation we'll make you the, the head of the company or whatnot but everything else will be taken away yeah and there's got to be something in that of you know when she says to Gerda earlier like oh you know I want to take some time off I want to I've been speaking to Michael I want to spend some time you know with the family Gerda's immediate reaction is just like well you said you were separated you know you said that you were unsafe like she obviously she's she obviously thinks nothing of this relationship. And I think that she sees it as threatening to Voss's place at the company. And so I believe that there's there's almost a secondary motive or just such a lack of regard from her that it's like two birds with one stone because not only is she getting the job done, she is also removing this distraction oh from God. Voss's life. 
That is such an accurate and such a vicious reading of it. You're so right. It's like pure efficiency. Yeah. Ah. Uh. No more distractions. Back to work. Uh. Ugh. I mean that 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 sound that we both just made just pretty much summarizes <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. the feeling of watching Possessor. It's just oh. <laughs> Oh, oh no! Oh. But it, in the best possible way, though. Oh yeah! No, I love making that noise. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, thank you so much for your time and for your insight, both on this episode and in your essay. And where can people find more of your work online? Well, thank you for all the opportunities to talk about, like as I say, fucked up shit. I'm I'm into it. Sorry, um, Jam. <laughs> so yeah online um on twitter i'm at bunny dark um on letterbox i'm becky dark and on my twitter in my profile there's the link tree link to all my writing including the um bloody women piece about uh penetrating possessor the, word, the amount of times the words penetrate and penetrating are in that article it's worth just looking at it for that i know i've really enjoyed it <laughs> Like higgling my way through, like <laughs> penetrate. <laughs> I, I had a little tally going on in a post-it as you were speaking. <laughs> it's beautifully alliterative. I it love really it. is. It's a it's a beautiful piece as well. Everybody should read it and have a link to it in the show notes. Bless thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anna.